Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress, and I'm John Fiegel saying welcome to Channel 127. We are so glad to have y'all. It's a sad day here for Sirius XM and the Tell Me Everything family, but we are going to pull through it and deliver a show that will bring you to the edge of amusement, my promise to you, for the next three hours. The team here will be reachable at 866-997-4748. You know... One of the awful things about doing a radio show where you get wonderful, brilliant people to come join you is that sometimes those people have to leave us. And you might have heard we had another loss in uh, the Tell Me Everything family today in the in the SiriusXM family. And it's a very sad one. There's a lot to get to in the headlines that I, I want to cover. I want to be sitting here telling you about how tomorrow the Supreme Court's going to hear oral arguments in the Colorado case about Trump's ballot eligibility. These states are waiting to hear what the Supreme Court does to determine what they're going to do about his eligibility. Most likely, you already know, the Supreme Court will say, fine, it's fine. He can run and, you know, kick it back to the states. Florida has asked its state Supreme Court to block attempts by citizens to put an initiative on abortion rights on the November ballot. The Pentagon says uh, the drone strike in Baghdad, Iraq, killed a top commander of the Hezbollah group responsible for last month's attack on the American troops in Jordan. There's a new study. I want to talk about showing that one in 10 premature births in America are directly related to forever chemicals that leach out from plastic food and beverage containers. Last week, we talked about how premature births have been risen 12% in the last 10 years. Uh, Dick Durbin, the senator, has called for Clarence Thomas to recuse himself from the Supreme Court in tomorrow's 14th Amendment case, determining if Trump is eligible or not for the 2024 ballot. I think you know how Clarence Thomas is going to get. I, I wanted to begin the show talking about how... The U.S. bought more goods from Mexico than China last year for the first time in 20 years. However, <laughs> we have great guests tonight. Thrilled to have Bob Seska. Thrilled to have the God Squad now or two. Thrilled to have Dr. Tracy Pearson. But tonight's show is dedicated to, uh, to our friend Mojo Nixon. A great musician. Great, great songwriter. Great activist. An actor. Terrific broadcaster on Sirius XM. He has left us. Uh, he has died of a cardiac event, as family told Rolling Stone. He was aboard the Outlaw Country Cruise when he died. No relation to the channel he graced here at Sirius XM. His family released a statement. Mojo Nixon. How you live is how you should die. Mojo Nixon was full tilt, wide open, rock hard, root hog, corner on two wheels, plus a fire. <laughs> Passing after a blazing show, a raging night, closing the bar, taking no prisoners, and a good breakfast with bandmates and friends. 
Mojo had a pretty remarkable career, and it was always interesting when people listening to our show would only know Mojo from our show. He could make Frank Condiff and I crack up like nobody I've ever met. A lot of people got to know him back in the 80s when he and his partner, Skid Roper, uh, had a very unlikely breakthrough hit with their uh, song Elvis is Everywhere, which is very loving to the king, a little bit funny. They put out a lot of good music. Mo, God, I mean, I think back to the 80s and Mojo, Nixon and, and Skid Roper, they made like Burn Down the Malls, uh, Jesus at McDonald's, <laughs> Stuff and Martha's Muffin, which was a reference to Martha Quinn at MTV. I worked in college radio in the late 80s, so I heard a lot of these things. Mojo got his name from a uh, mojo meaning voodoo and nixon meaning bad politics he was always political he was always willing to shock he got winona Ryder to be in the video for the song debbie gibson is pregnant with my two-headed love child when i was 20 i sat next to debbie gibson at the grammys and i couldn't get that song out of my head the entire time well, he did this uh, and by the way mtv wouldn't play that song he wrote don henley must die don't let him get back together with Glenn Fry. I played that in college radio. That went to number 20 on the modern rock charts, and Don actually played it live with Mojo a couple of years back. Mojo, you just come on the show and just the expressions he had. He once said, I'm slicker than a pail of eels fucking in a bucket of snot. <laughs> How do you follow that? Mojo was just a, a terrific progressive. Uh, he was not afraid to go into any outlaw country room and rail against fascism, rail against racism, rail against homophobes. And fight for free speech. He debated those parental advisory stickers on uh, with Pat Buchanan on CNN back in the, the early 90s. His family statement said a cardiac event on the Outlaw Country Cruise is about right. And that's just how he did it. Mojo has left the building. Since Elvis is everywhere, we know he was waiting for him in the alley out back. Heaven help us all. Um, on behalf of myself and Frank Conniff uh, and everyone who's ever worked on this show, I just want to thank Mojo Nixon for being such a pal, for making me laugh, for really, really redefining how white men in Southern accents talk, think, and vote. And he was on this show during the pandemic in the early months when we were all in lockdown, and he made everybody laugh. At a time when it wasn't funny at all, Mojo just, he was true punk rock. So listen to his music, laugh at his music, uh, marvel at how creative and lyrically nimble his songs are, and don't ever forget the dead milkman immortalized him for all time in the epic song Punk Rock Girl. And as we used to say on the show, uh, if you don't have Mojo Nixon, then your show could use some fixing. God bless Mojo Nixon. And um, we're going to have a good show tonight anyway. Our executive producer is Chris Hauselt. Our, so our, our producer is Thea Harper. And uh, we've got Bob Seska joining us, the God Squad. We've got uh, Dr. Tracy Pearson. And, and I, I was, I was going to dedicate tonight's show to Congressman Al Green. I mean, he's really the hero of the week right now. He's recovering from intestinal surgery, you might have heard. He was in the hospital. And he signed a waiver to leave the hospital last night. And he ordered an Uber. And he got a car to take him from the hospital to the U.S. Capitol. Now, as you know, and as we covered last night, the House Republicans' long-planned plot to impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, failed. And usually, the House leader doesn't call everybody to the floor unless they're sure they've got the votes. But Congressman Al Green of Texas was, last minute, wheeled from his Uber into the House floor from surgery. He wasn't even wearing shoes. And Congressman Al Green's vote blocked the impeachment of the Homeland Security Secretary. It was a shocking loss for Republicans. He was being monitored 
by the in-house physician the entire time. And it was his act that led to the first failed impeachment vote in 160 years. So today was kind of the whole world catching its breath over how many catastrophes, cock-ups, and nincompoop moves the Republican Party made yesterday. Mayorkas impeachment imploding, their border deal non-starting, Trump's immunity defense eroding, Ronna McDaniel departing. It's not much of a mystery why they're in this mess. The most do-nothingest house in history found a way to do even less. It's Trump and his Congress deciding that they need some chaotic disorder, and then they can blame it on Biden so they kill their own deal on the border. Trump and Mike Johnson colluding because they have no middle-class policies. Tucker's groveling over at Putin. Nikki Haley lost Levada to none of these. Scaring off women and Gen Zers from Arizona to Wisconsin. It's a busy week in the careers of Trump and his mean little Johnson. <laughs> you know, once Speaker Mike Johnson compared himself to Moses, and we made fun of him, but he was right. He has led his tribe in circles in the wilderness while they keep attacking each other. Here it is. As it happened, this is audio of the Senate GOP blocking their own border deal that they've been calling for for years, which is exactly what they did 10 years ago, except this border deal includes aid to allies fighting our proxy wars. On this vote, the yeas are 49, the nays are 50, three-fifths of the senators duly chosen and sworn not having voted in the affirmative. The motion is not agreed to. Madam President. The Majority Leader. I move to reconsider the vote whereby cloture was not invoked on the motion to proceed to H.R. 815, and I ask for the yeas and nays. Is there a sufficient second? There appears to be. The clerk will call the roll. So there you have it. Kind of anticlimactic, wasn't it? But there's, there's, there's a little story you might have missed last night. It kind of made me chuckle. After the first impeachment vote to fail on the House floor... In 160 years, and again, this is right when they're tanking their own border security bill, the bill of their dreams. And they sent James Lankford, their own loyalist, who worked on this. Now they're sending him out to get crucified by MAGA. This is the same day the RNC chair says she gives up. Donald Trump is driving her out of the party and she's quitting. This is after the House had rejected the Republicans' heavily hyped package of aid for Israel, this is after their own comb over Caligula lost his presidential immunity argument. Congressman Matt Gates, you know, Matt Gates, the guy who's so juvenile, he sends Venmo payments to himself. He said he missed the former Speaker of the House that he helped fire after they failed to impeach Mayorkas by this very thin margin. Matt Gates, who seems to be competing with himself for how petulant he can be, said, I wonder, wouldn't it have been nice to still have Kevin McCarthy in the House of Representatives? Never thought you'd hear me say that. Oh, the amount of time I had to spend talking about Kevin McCarthy because of this petulant trust fund douchebag brat. Every time he gets a DUI, his rich daddy in Florida bails him out. Now, you might remember from long ago, long, long ago, former Congressman Kevin McCarthy we began 2023 talking about this guy way too much when they hired him, and we ended 2023 talking about this guy way too much when they fired him. He was driven out as the House Speaker, you might remember, was way back in October by a 216 to 210 vote. And the effort to oust him was led by Matt Gates and the hardline conservatives who had demanded that any one member of the caucus 
could vote for a motion to vacate any time. So <laughs> McCarthy agreed to it to get the power because these guys have more thirstiness than common sense. At the end of the year, McCarthy resigned from Congress. He's gone. And Gates was still attacking him. I think the arrant expulsion of Santos and the abject selfishness of Kevin McCarthy contributed to this result as much as the three Republican members who voted no. Oh, really, Matty? Ain't that the worst? You had a speaker who was a damn good fundraiser, and he held your entire caucus together, but you fired him because he worked with the Democrats to keep our government open. I mean... Firing or completely destroying the reputations of competent or at least honest Republicans? That's what we've come to expect from other Republicans. Remember Michael Steele? When Barack Obama became president, and they said, well, we have to have a black guy somewhere, but they didn't have any black elected, so they had Michael Steele, who had been a lieutenant governor of Maryland, and they hired him to run the RNC. Now, I love Michael Steele. He's a good man. He does this show. I love him. But, of course, Michael Steele was a good fundraiser, and he helped them win elections, so they fired him. And replaced him with Reince Priebus. Nothing against Reince Priebus. Every man over 50 should have his Reince Priebus checked at least once a year. But Michael Steele was competent. He won elections as the head of the RNC, so he had to go. Like Mitt Romney, who tells the truth about Donald Trump, and that will not do. Liz Cheney, who voted with Donald Trump on every evil thing he wanted, but wouldn't help his lie about the election. She had to go. Adam Kinzinger as well. James Lankford, I mean, he gave them the draconian immigration bill that Democrats hate, that Amnesty International says is criminal and evil. Amnesty International is attacking Joe Biden for being just like Donald Trump. That's how evil this bill is. And James Lankford made it, but it wasn't enough. It it was everything they wanted, but Trump changed his mind. Remember when Kevin McCarthy sent uh, John Katko to negotiate the January 6th commission with Pelosi and he got everything they wanted and then they threw that guy under the bus anyway? This is what they do. If you are too competent, if you are too kind, if you are too intelligent, if you are too honest, you can be a liability to the party of Trump. They're not Republicans anymore. So here's Mike Johnson, who has hitched his political futures because he's such a deep Christian to uh, comb over Caligula, which I guess makes him a grab him by the pussy evangelical. They asked Trump's little Johnson to defend a Congress that cannot perform the basic functions of government. What would you say to Americans concerned that Congress isn't able to do basic functions? Well, it's just simply not true. We're, we're, we're governing here. Sometimes it's messy. The, you know, the framers anticipated that you would have a system where people with very different philosophical viewpoints that come from different parts of the country and different constituencies would have different ideas on how to resolve their problems. But what they also what? anticipated is that we'd be able to get in a room and arm wrestle over public policy and come to consensus to move the ball forward for the most people. That is what's happening here. You're seeing the messy soft making the, the process of democracy play out and uh, it's not always clean it's not always pretty but the job will be done at the end of the day now you're not going to like this but y- when you have an actor for the movie to play mike johnson you've got to have someone who can play that serene gentility on top and have a volcanic sense of evil underneath you're not going to like this but it's got to be kevin spacey i'm sorry Kevin, I, and I think Kevin Spacey should play Donald Trump in the movie, but I, 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 I now think Kevin Spacey has to play Mike Johnson. Their voices are so similar, you know. So they're all furious at this guy now. I mean, they're humiliated in the House. They first failed on impeaching Mayorkas, and then the military aid for Israel. That was all supposed to be a big move against Biden. The Republicans are criticizing their own leaders to br- for bringing these bills to the floor when they don't have the votes to pass them. Here's Congressman Troy Nails from Texas. 
he said this was shameful. He said to Axios, I mean, what the hell are they thinking? We should have gotten this done. And he's a dirty cop who got fired. Now he's a dirty Republican. This is to cast a real cloud over Mike Johnson. I mean, they're already talking about getting rid of him. Wouldn't that be something? How dysfunctional can this house be? Meanwhile, in his floor speech, Senator Chuck Schumer is showing how easy the Democratic messaging is going to be on the disastrous actions of congressional Republicans. This is the choice Republicans face today. They can either choose what's good for the country's national interest, or they can choose what's good, at least in their minds, for Donald Trump. Mr. President, I've always believed the Senate works best when we take the bipartisan path. Not everything is perfect in this bill, but I see it as my job to let bipartisanship take hold whenever possible. And this bill reflects that. But all week long, Senate Republicans have looked more and more like their House counterparts and transformed themselves into the Chaos Caucus. <laughs> now, by the way, let's not forget that the Republican Party's entire position on immigration is complete chaos, racism, and counting on gullibility of their own base. That's it. I mean, I, it's not often I'm going to play you a clip of Chip Roy saying, listen to this guy, tell the truth about something. But here's Chip Roy. Listen to this guy. Tell the truth about Republicans, Donald Trump and their hype on immigration. No, we're not going to just pass the buck and say that, oh, any president could walk in and secure the border. I saw former President Trump make that allegation earlier today on one of his social media posts. All a president has to do is declare the border is closed and it's closed. Well, with all due respect, that didn't happen in 2017, 18, 19, and 20. There were millions yep. of people who came into the United States during those four years. Nope. So Trump had his first two years in office when the Republicans controlled the House and the Senate. They couldn't get anything done then. They couldn't agree among themselves. But that's the wrong narrative. They agreed to not agree. They agreed to not do anything. Because this Republican Party serves the wealthy. And if you're middle class or working class, they will give you umbrage. They will tell you who to be offended by or who to hate. But they're not going to have any policies to help non-millionaires. They don't. They could fix the border in a day if they want. But they need the issue. This has been going on for over 10 years now. They keep demanding a Democratic president do something. Uh, this, they had did it to Obama. We got DACA this way. They demanded Obama have a deal. They came up with a deal. They abandoned their own deal. So Obama did DACA. And they said, this lawless president with his executive orders, Congress should be doing And again, if you, if, if you have the attention span of the dude from Memento, you'll fall for their bullshit. It, this is why the Republican Party is now this cult. Trump first, America last. And they're trying to impeach Mayorkas because he failed to secure the border. During the same week, they're killing their own deal to secure the border. Because Trump told them it would be bad if something good gets sat done while Joe Biden's in office. So they voted on two articles of impeachment, accusing Mayorkas of a willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law, which is not true. It's a difference in policy. They lost by one vote. A Republican voted that. The Israel vote was so important to the House GOP as a countermeasure. They couldn't do that. 
They won't pass border security because it might help Biden. Ronna McDaniel's out as the RNC chair because Donald Trump's not popular and keeps losing Republicans elections. So they're firing her. Are you following the logic here? In 2023, all last year, we heard these Republicans scream how we have to help Zelensky's fight against the Russian invasion. Most of them did last year. And we have to do something for Israel to defeat Hamas. And we have to have a tougher approach to these migrants at the border. Well, now it's 2024. We're only five weeks into this year. And now the Republicans in the Congress have nearly unanimously killed a bill designed to accomplish all three of those things they spent all last year saying were their priorities. That's the Republican Party. Remember John Katko being sent to negotiate for January 6th commission and then being punished because the GOP got everything they wanted. Remember Liz Cheney. I waited my whole life for the Republicans to punish one Cheney for telling a lie. They punish her for telling the truth. Adam Kinzinger thrown out for not lying. James Lankford doing everything they want. And then Trump changes his mind and they hang him out to dry and call him a rhino globalist cuck. Hated by MAGAs for doing this job, for working to get problems solved in Congress. They can't stand it. They need the chaos because they have no policies. If they had policies that help non-millionaires, it's all they talk about. Republicans don't want problems solved. They need the problems to complain about them and blame other people. It is a pattern. It's all they've got. So maybe Republicans, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe, if you want to do a little better down the road, stop firing the competent ones. <laughs> we want to know what you guys think. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. It's going to be a busy night. We'll be back in just a moment with the great Bob Seska. This is Progress After Dark. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. And we are back on Sirius XM Progress. We are celebrating the life, music, activism, and madness of our friend Mojo Nixon. And we are celebrating the incompetence, weaseliness, sophistry, and 
fascism of our Republican caucus. We are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. I am so glad to have someone smarter and more moral and taller than me at a time like this. Bob Seska is the host of The Bob Seska Show and Trek Politics, which both of which y'all should subscribe to in your podcast. He's a regular voice here and on The Stephanie Miller Show. He drops weekly columns and bonus material at his Patreon. Y'all should support at patreon.com slash Bob Seska Show. Bob, welcome back. Good to see you. Thank you so much, my friend. It's great to be here. Uh, Thank so you. Interesting, interesting couple of days, huh? It's nice to win every every now and then, huh? Well, and I don't know if we some, won uh, anything. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if 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 we won anything. But it is interesting seeing. I mean, maybe in the long run, the world will win by seeing how incompetent and incapable of self governance these guys are. I mean, a lot of it wasn't like we won anything. It was like a lot of bad things didn't happen. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm speaking from the perspective of Hux from Rise of Skywalker. I just want <laughs> Kylo Ren to lose. That's <laughs> there you go. I'm happy, that's a win for me, seeing the uh, Republicans lose a bunch of shit, especially Donald Trump losing some things, including presidential immunity, which is uh, that's right. a fascinating story. Because, uh, John, Please. I've been wondering this since the decision came down from the D.C. Circuit, whether Donald Trump operated throughout his four years in office, assuming that he had presidential immunity, like mm -hmm. someone would come up to him and go, sir, what you're doing here by trying to walk away with these classified documents, that, that's that's illegal. You're not supposed to do that. And he just go, no, presidential immunity. I have presidential immunity. Yeah. OK, sir. Or, you know, or, you know, you're not supposed to try to overthrow Congress. Uh, no, presidential immunity. I have presidential immunity. I can do whatever I want. And but maybe like, that's, the thing is, it's uh, but it's yeah. so breathtakingly stupid, Bob, isn't it? I mean, it's so breathtakingly stupid. So essentially, Donald Trump's lawyers aren't just arguing that it's impossible for Joe Biden to ever break the law. They're also arguing that our founding fathers really just missed having a king. And they're essentially arguing that Gerald Ford never needed to pardon Nixon. Right. Like, <laughs> right. that's the argument. Yeah, it's it's absolutely a ludicrous argument. There's no doubt about that. And as we've discussed before, uh, Donald Trump's lawyer representing him before the D.C. Circuit was basically imitating Donald Trump. And in fact, I'd go so far as to say that <laughs> Donald Trump was puppeteering this guy because, uh, you know, I think we talked about this before, but one of the things he argued before the D.C. Circuit, and geez, I wonder why they lost, is he was going, well, Donald Trump is the most popular candidate by far, by far. He's he's going to get the nomination. And he's talking like Donald Trump does during one of his rallies. I have the greatest polls. Yeah. I'm polling better than everybody. I don't need to do the debates. It was it was stuff like that that he was saying. So uh, and that was kind of part of the argument. Like this guy should be impenetrable. This guy should be invincible because he's leading in these janky polls that were like he's leading in Rasmussen. Really? <laughs> That's your evidence. <laughs> On top of the other ridiculousness about, uh, you know, uh, being impeached first and the nonsense about being able to use SEAL Team 6, that being mm -hmm. the centerpiece of it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just it was a ridiculous thing. And it's no wonder they absolutely lost this thing. But here's my concern, John. And this is Please. the uh, sort of up half empty <laughs> view of this immunity ruling. And Please. that is that if Donald Trump becomes president again. This presidential immunity ruling by the D.C. Circuit will be entirely irrelevant because he doesn't need some sort of court sanctioned immunity to do whatever he wants the next time around, because what he's going to be doing is using Project 2025, the purging of the federal government, which is part of Project 2025, purging the federal government of 50,000 
federal workers. First of yeah. all, first, what he's going to do is he's going to reestablish Schedule F, which is this executive order that he initially tried to sign right before the 2020 election. Joe Biden repealed it right after Joe Biden was inaugurated. But Donald Trump will reinstate that Schedule F, which says that he can fire any civil servant, any member of the federal bureaucracy uh, at will. And there are no civil service protections for those people if Donald Trump becomes president. And that's that's leading into the 50,000 federal workers who will lose their jobs and get replaced by loyalists who will not tell Donald Trump no. If Donald Trump wants to stay for 12 years in office, provided he survives that long, there will be no one in the federal bureaucracy or no one of any sort of uh, authority who will yank him out of the White House at the end of his four years. There will be no That's one terrifying. to say, Mr. President, you shouldn't do this thing because it's illegal and you're going to get prosecuted for it after you leave. No, never mind. No, you're fired. <laughs> in comes loyalists to replace you. So that's my big concern in all this. It's not going to matter if he becomes president again. That's what I'm saying. That's, uh, I mean, I don't know what terrifies me more about all of this. Uh, you know, it is very funny, and I think it's very important that we get all the humor out of this we can. I mean, the 14th Amendment is going to be tomorrow debated by the Supreme Court as of yeah. now when we're broadcasting live or recording if you're listening on demand or on the app of the podcast. As of now, um, Clarence Thomas hasn't announced he's going to recuse himself just yet. Dick Durbin called for it today. I don't yeah. think the Supreme Court is going to uphold what Colorado did. I think they're going to go ahead and tell him 14th Amendment doesn't apply here and give Trump everything he wants. But man, Clarence Thomas really isn't going to recuse himself from this case where yeah. his wife was one of the insurrectionists. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing with the 14th Amendment, John, is it's entirely possible that the Supreme Court could rule that Donald Trump is ineligible to be president. Whether that applies to his existence on the ballot, that's kind of a secondary story where they could say, well, if he's ineligible to be president, and I'm really going on a limb with this, he's inel ineligible to be president. But if he's not on the ballot, that would disenfranchise the people voting for him, in a sense. So that causes a concern. My other thing is, and this is where I think the uh, conservatives on the, the bench will uh, find, they'll, they'll find this loophole where they'll say the insurrection language in the 14th Amendment, Section 3, is in the con was written in the context of the post Civil War era. Yeah, it was written during those who engage insurrection can't hold office. Exactly right, but but they're going to try to argue that does the invasion and occupation of Congress on January sixth rise to the same level as secession, firing on Fort Sumter, declaring war against the United States, and fighting a four year hot war with six hundred thousand total casualties or total total deaths in the Civil War. Uh, does that do these things match? And they may find some wiggle room there. But the other thing, and this is the fun part of this 14th Please. Amendment story, John, is that if the Supreme Court rules that Donald Trump is ineligible to be president, what's the Republican Party going to do? I mean, they're going to be stuck with this guy. They're in the process of nominating a guy who, one, may not be on several very important state ballots. I mean, all that needs right. to happen is a couple of the swing states to say, well, you know what, we're going to abide whatever the Supreme Court it's says. Or we're going to take it's this true. president. It could happen. 
Yeah, yeah. And and they're going to end up having or at least planning a convention or maybe actually going through with a convention. And the end game might be after that, <laughs> that Donald Trump can't even serve as president. I mean, let's think about this. In well, that's terms been the of, big question, because, Bob, yeah. what we've been talking about on the show is what are the odds of there being a contested convention if by some chance, and that seems less likely now, but if by some chance Donald Trump has a felony conviction by this summer? Mm. I mean, I thought for ages that they, Glenn Youngkin was going to be the guy they would throw out. The voters of Virginia made sure that wouldn't happen. But let's say your hypothetical is correct and Trump, for whatever reason, is precluded from running or is banned from running in so many states that the party realizes they can't get 270. Well, Nikki Haley's got a lot of money on hand from the Koch brothers. Ron DeSantis has only suspended his campaign. What's to stop these knuckleheads and also rants from just getting back in the race and competing on a much more level playing field? I mean, that could entirely happen. I think that's one of the reasons why Nikki Haley is sticking around. I think that's or at least that's part right. of the reason, because she's looking at the possibility that there may be an opening here. But we also have to remember, too, that and uh, Rachel Maddow covered this on uh, one of her A blocks this week or her only A block this week because she's only on Mondays. But she was talking about how the Republican Party is basically disintegrating or they're disintegrating themselves in lieu of establishing mm. this one guy, Donald Trump, as ostensibly the party and so it doesn't even i mean the entire thrust of the republican party since sometime during donald trump's first term has now become fused with trump himself so they actually no, the, the trump re-election campaign in 2020 literally merged with the rnc they became one entity <laughs> circulating around trump himself yeah so if yeah. the republic yeah i mean the republicans really have no choice but by the way but the, but in, in the process them. starving the rnc like starving yeah. the rnc literally right. that's another reason why they're they're firing ronna mcdaniel because the donations are so low but it's also because people are donating the save america pack which mm -hmm. means people are donating thinking they're right donating to republican politics they're defense attorneys and we now know they've also been paying for jared kushner and ivanka trump's defense attorneys as well meanwhile the republican state associations are starving for donations and the national rnc is going broke and their solution is well yeah. fire ronna mcdaniel because donald trump stank up the room in 2018 2020 and 2022 like it they just refuse to learn anything from their own autopsies you're smiling yeah. i'm watching you smiling on the zoom, on the uh, zoom as i say this I just lo I love it. I love it. I love it. It was this is one of those things. Watching the Republican Party is something that I fantasize about, John. I mean, maybe not in a very healthy way. You know, just the but idea. Bob, they said this. They said this under Bush. Yeah. They, well, we I were mean, told this... oh, Bush and Cheney will be the end. They're, they're going to destroy the Republican Party. And we were all so certain they would because they were so incredibly awful. But that fucking abortion issue was the reason this party will never yeah. die. It's the reason the fake Christians will always have a place to call home for something Christ never mentioned. And it's why mm -hmm. Donald Trump can't destroy it. They're going to replace him with another demagogue. Yeah, well, what needs to happen is the Republican Party, as it exists right now, needs to be dissolved. So what they are doing right now is dissolving the actual party establishment while at the same time elevating this one guy and if donald trump goes down that's it for the whole ball right. game and and that's my right. hope is out of that some new uh maybe moderately conservative party will emerge out of that because we do need uh, an opposition party in this country whether we like it yeah. or not i mean we do need that kind of balance to represent 
the massively large population that we have in this country to, for the people who, uh, you know, have those values. And it's important for them to have some You're sort right. of representation. But that being said, it, this is something that has to occur first before I think democracy can continue to move forward because we can't keep go going down this road where every election becomes a referendum on democracy itself, where if it goes the wrong way, if the other side wins, then it's suddenly fascism. Whereas, you know, maybe 30 years ago, if the Republicans won, well, it's, oh God, they're going to try to ban abortion and they're going to try to uh, lower taxes. And and that was the, the big concern. They're going to roll back civil rights. These were the big concerns when the Republican Party was at least somewhat normal. But now, if the Republican Party wins, Oh hell, it's fascism, and 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 there we are. The whole ball game goes out the window, and it, and that's what that's I, right. I get concerned about. That that cannot continue uh, as a thing, um, you know, because it's a, eventually the Republicans will win a national election. I mean, that's a given, yeah. even oh, yeah. on the trajectory they're on right now. It's entirely possible, especially given how the record of Joe Biden is being so poorly handled right now at least in terms of uh, 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 the press reporting on some of these success, uh, yeah, successes kind of interesting, legislatively. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and giving him the, the credit that he deserves as being, uh, as having done an incredible job given the very divisive circumstances of his presidency and, and knowing that he's been able to get some bipartisan legislation through, uh, trying to do this border Quite a thing bit. separately, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would argue that Joe Biden is the, the president who's gotten the most done to help the most Americans in my lifetime. Um, yeah. And I don't like everything he's done, but I, I, I mean, I'm astonished by how much he's managed to do. Bob, how about those job numbers? huh? How about them job numbers? Oh, yeah. See, this is one of those things that I, I, I feel as though it's not seeping into the minds of voters yet. No, we've been I'm talking about other stuff the entire look. time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah the, absolutely. The, you, this is America. Good good news can wait till the end of the broadcast after weather and sports <laughs> on the ones. Right. After we do all of our fear mongering about Donald Trump, then we'll work in the actual numbers. No, seriously, though, uh, 353,000 jobs in January. There were an extra 126,000 jobs in upward revisions from November and December. So it wasn't just 353,000 jobs. It was 353,000 jobs plus another 126,000. That's a lot of jobs being created in the last three months. And you can, once again, draw direct connective tissue between these jobs numbers and Joe mm -hmm. Biden legislative achievements, whether it's the uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill, which is uh, between that and the uh, Inflation Reduction Act and the CHIPS Act creating record factory construction where we now we're seeing wages that are higher than the rate of inflation, wage growth higher than the rate of inflation. And and the fact that and while we as liberals don't necessarily applaud this, but, you know, a lot of folks do, which is the fact that America is producing more oil than any country has in the history of human civilization. Correct. That's a big deal if you're into that sort of thing. And I know a lot of people are. So uh, there are numerous economic indicators showing a robust economy. And now it's just a matter of matching up the messaging to go along with this uh, immense uh, list of uh, accomplishments. You're right. I mean, everything they were screaming about a year ago, supply chain issues, gas mm -hmm. prices, inflation. I mean, they've been addressed and they yeah. wanted to blame these things on a sitting president when it's a Democrat a year ago. Now they're not giving said president the credit for ending these things. 
Don, uh, Barack Obama has confirmed fewer federal judges in his first term than Biden's already done in three years. Yeah. And 53 percent of Americans say they definitely will not support Trump in 2024. Eleven percent more say they probably will not support Trump in 2024. And I mean, he's arguably like the, the semi incumbent of this party. Yeah. And yet 40 to 45 percent of Republican primaries so far are voting for somebody else. Bob, it's going to be a long mm -hmm. year. It really, really is. And we haven't seen nearly how insane it's actually going to get. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is I, I think as we move forward in time, we're going to get a clearer sense of whether Donald Trump's going to be on the ballot. We're going to get a better sense of uh, how American voters are perceiving the economy. Uh, for example, uh, just going back to what we were talking about a second ago. Uh, the unemployment rate has stayed below 4% for two years. Last time it was like that. It was yep. before I was born. It was like uh, 1967, yeah. 1968. 69. Yeah, 69. Mm -hmm. Holy yeah. hell. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a, an enormous achievement. And again, I, I, I have to emphasize the fact that these accomplishments have occurred at a time when Republicans don't want to help Democrats and Democrats don't want to help Republicans. It is more divided than we've seen since the civil war and in that regard i don't know when democrats amazing shit's getting getting done you know democrats are trying to help republicans pass a border bill that amnesty international has condemned oh, yeah, and said yeah. that biden is as cruel as trump democrats are going to fold on anything for these guys but you're, you're exactly right bob I, I do have one question that's the most important thing and i've saved it for this long i want to play this quick clip of speaker mike johnson where he's talking about how he's unfazed by the inability to execute the impeachment <laughs> of alejandro mayorkas okay. before we play it i'm going to say this now the actor who has to play Mike Johnson, and I don't care how angry it makes any of you liberals. It's Kevin Spacey. Give a listen to this clip. On uh, impeachment, I mean, what happened yesterday with the vote on Secretary Mayorkas? Why bring that to the floor if you didn't have the votes? And will you hold another vote to impeach him? Yeah, on impeachment, last night was a setback, but democracy is messy. We live in a time of divided government. Uh, we have a razor-thin uh, margin here, and every vote counts. Sometimes... Uh, when you're counting votes and people show up when they're not expected to be in the building, it changes the equation. But listen, we have a duty and a responsibility to take care of this issue. We have to hold the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security accountable. Mayorkas needs to be held accountable. The Biden administration needs to be held accountable. And we will pass those articles <laughs> of impeachment. Uh, we'll, we'll do it on the next round. Kevin Spacey on two lattes. Come on. Kevin Spacey yeah. on two lattes. That's who can play him. You're so right. And if, if Kevin Spacey looked like Tim Kazarinsky from Police Academy, then he could absolutely <laughs> play Mike Johnson. But uh, yeah, this is funny and, and not shocking at all that the Republicans would have trouble with basic math, like adding one to another number has completely flummoxed them. Like, oh, my God, Al Green showed up. We didn't know he was going to show up. Oh, holy shit. They really scammed us now. That's it's one vote and it made no difference in terms of the final outcome of yesterday's uh, impeachment vote and an impeachment, by the way, which is absolutely frivolous. This is ridiculousness of the highest order. This is pure revenge. We're getting revenge. And oh, by the way, uh, as a bonus, we're going to demagogue the border a little bit more by trying to impeach Mayorkas. And they couldn't even do it. And they think somehow that Ken Buck and some of the other Republicans who we knew all along weren't going to vote for this thing, uh, they somehow think that they're going to come along and then the next vote, they're going to try again and again and again. It's going to be like <laughs> these speaker uh, campaigns that the Republicans have flummoxed time in and time out. And so uh, 
it's a clown show and I'm, I'm enjoying watching this as they lose, lose, lose. And, and one other point I wanted to make about that too is one of the reasons why not every single wish list item that we wanted from the Democratic House, from Nancy Pelosi, when the Democrats controlled the House of Representatives, one of the reasons why not every single one of those bills came to a vote on the floor is because of this exact thing that we're witnessing with Mike Johnson and the Republicans and the Mayorkas uh, attempted at impeachment. Because it's embarrassing, it's humiliating to bring a vote to the floor when you're when you know you're going to lose, when you don't have the votes. So, you know, we did when we controlled the House of Representatives, we did pass a lot of progressive legislation. The John Lewis Voting Rights Act, I could do a whole list of these things. Some of the things didn't get introduced because there simply weren't the votes. And we just as as activists and voters and 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 people who care about these issues, we need to do a better job. Uh, making sure we get stronger majorities so we can pass some of these things. That's it. The great Bob Seska people. Bob, how do our listeners follow you and keep up with all of your good works? Uh, You can find the Bob Seska Show wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts and so forth, and also on Patreon, bobseskashow.com. By the way, shout out to Victor Estrada, who just said to you and me, this 14th Amendment thing should be a slam dunk because then the 22nd Amendment is no good and Barack Obama can run again. Thank you, Victor. And thank you for yeah, joining awesome. us, Bob. It's a pleasure. Quick Thanks, break. Bob. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fiegel saying this is Sirius XM Progress, and we are taking your calls at 866-997-4748. We're going to be joined in just a moment by the God Squad. I am so ready for services, but let's go to the phones really quick, because some of y'all been on hold forever. Alex in Texas, thank you so much for waiting. You're on Progress. Hi. Hi, Alex. Uh, How are you? (laughs) Great. How are you? Uh, Good. Um, So I was thinking about something because everybody was really surprised that the Republicans decided to kowtow to Trump's craziness again. And I think that that's actually what they're trying to do. Um, I think it's actually on purpose because they want to basically create a totally incompetent and terrible government, corrupt. Uh, I actually think yeah. that's really on purpose because they've always it's been the playbook for the a long time. That yeah, like since Reagan, right? They want government that doesn't yeah. work. And they I think that they want the American people not to believe in government. Like just in general. Yes. And this is they their want way. To, they they this and they but, but keep in mind they they claim they hate government, right? And of course God knows Donald Trump deliberately, systemically tried to starve positions of government by not filling them so we'd be more dysfunctional. But at the end of the day, you know, government is how they reward their donors. What they really hate is democracy. They don't mind government when it helps them get more power and they need government for power. So a lot of what they're talking about is actually just bullshit. What they're against is democracy and functioning government. They like oligarchs. They like bosses. They like strong men like Putin. Government for them is for the corporations, right? They're going to set up a government that can completely exploit all workers, um, underpay everybody 
you know, child labor laws. We don't need regulations. Poison the environment because all in all, they're trying to sell our government to corporations. Get big government off our back. Let the job creators handle things. I want someone who can run this country like a business. I mean, look at their last two businessmen. They got the millionaire at birth who supported Nam but avoided going, who couldn't find oil in Texas. And then they got the millionaire at birth who supported Nam but avoided going, who couldn't run a casino in Atlantic City. This is what they get when they say they're going to run a businessman. I mean, it's all authoritarianism. It's the one trait that unites them all. It's why Vladimir Putin is their ultimate idol at this point. And it's just cult of personality, strongman bullshit. And when Donald Trump's gone, they will replace him with another. That's how it is. That's the one trait that unites all of MAGA, a penchant for authoritarianism. They don't like functioning yeah, government. That gone, doesn't help them. Yeah. Yeah, they don't even like him. They're just they're just basically saying this is a great opportunity. The worse he is, yeah. the better we I mean, the better we like we have a chance of creating our ultimate, you know, fantasy, quote unquote, government. Well, but some anyway, of them are some of them are chaos like, actors cool. like that. It. Well, but I want to I want to I want to just fight you on one thing. Some of them are chaos actors about that. And they think that they'll benefit from yeah. all this madness. But a lot of them are just cowards. And we can't forget that a lot of them are just unmanly, gelded chicken shits who will do whatever this reality show clown tells them because they were afraid to take a stand and risk being less popular with the racists back home. There's a lot. I mean, Lindsey Graham is a cowardice. He's not a chaos actor. I can't even. I yeah, I I look at these old tapes of Lindsey Graham and I am absolutely just I can't even believe it's the same person, but. Oh, I, mean, I can. He was always awful. Shocked. He impeached Bill Clinton. He was always awful. He impeached Bill Clinton. Yes. He, Lindsey Graham will do yeah. anything to get more power. He, he hasn't changed a bit. That is true. And he impeached him for more morality reasons. I, I can't. Yeah, I, I'm just I, exactly. every day I continue to be just more disappointed. And I really hope that we can pull this out in 2024. I mean, I'm donating. I'm you know, talking to friends, I, you I know, whatever so I can, but oh God, I love Joe Biden. He needs to get reelected. Yeah, I know. And you're in Texas, so the fight's real. Thank you so oh, much for calling. Oh. Please call us more. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Let me go really quick to Jennifer in Ohio, who's on hold on uh, line seven. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for calling tonight. Hi, John. Hello. Hi. Hi. How you hey, doing? Uh, I got a quick, good. Um, just torn up about hearing about Mojo Nixon. I was fully so crying during your intro, yeah. And I just want to share a quick, funny Mojo Nixon story about him. Please. About 98, 99, he was DJing down, down in Cincinnati, and he did a show at a small club in Dayton, Ohio. And okay. this was before I had come out. So I was at the show, and there was, you know, I have... No CD, no moss piss. And I was in front row, rocking out to him, enjoying him. And he gets to one song, and he goes, Okay, I want everybody in the crowd to sing along on the chorus. If I don't hear, I want to tie my pecker to my leg, to my leg. I'm going to tie my pecker to my leg. Then he points at me, mm-hmm. I'm going to wait, fuck this guy in the ass. And I just started oh laughing and laughing. <laughs> That sounds like Mojo I know. Yep, and I was thinking, man, I wonder why he knew if he was talking about fucking a trans woman. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Knowing Mojo as I did, I think he would have been delighted, and I think it's a story he would have told on his own show afterwards. 
Mojo did not tolerate people. Mojo did not tolerate people who were bullies to minorities. Mojo did not tolerate people who were mean to marginalized groups. Mojo hated homophobes and he hated transphobes as well. Hated how lazy they were. Yep. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate the call. Thank you. It's a really sad day, but go play his music and laugh a lot. And, you know, make fun of fascists. That's Mojo would be pleased if we did. We're at 866-997-4748. Now is the time I wait for all week. It's a little bit late for salvation for me, but you guys have some potential. And that's why we bring the God Squad every Wednesday. Keith Giles is a former pastor who left the pulpit to follow Jesus. He's the author of the best-selling Jesus Un book series for people who are deconstructing their faith, a regular contributor to the Patheos Progressive Christian blog platform, and co-owner of Choir Publishing. Keith, it's so good to see you. Welcome back. I am so excited to be back here, John. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you very much for being had. Uh, Pastor December Rose is with us, which means I'm willing to come to work on a day when she's here. She is the former pastor of the Restoration Center in Greenville, South Carolina, and the Rock Worship Center in West Union, South Carolina. She is the author of The Church Can Go to Hell, a jaw-dropping memoir and theological dive into the toxic reality of church culture. It's also the name of the tattoo I'm going to get on my forehead. And she's a spoken word artist spreading the gospel through love, truth, and radical hospitality. Pastor Rose, it's so good to have you back welcome hey boo thank you for having me i'm so excited to be with you this week and every week thank you thank you well i got my boo card laminated because of you so i'm, I'm proud and finally i am so pleased to welcome back mr dylan cruz who is a writer theologian and permaculture enthusiast from lancaster pennsylvania his book theological musings volume one is a thought-provoking collection of essays that range from deeply personal narratives to academic overviews covering a wide variety of contemporary topics in his first volume dylan covers political social and environmental concerns in the u.s and around the world he is to me a triple threat he is a veteran who knows the Bible, and he's fearless with these racist motherfuckers. Dylan Cruz, welcome back. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm glad that's how you see me, John. It's, glad to, it's good to be back. That, that, that's Thank you. You can use that on a book jacket. Um, guys, I'm so glad you're here. Last week, we, we had a lot of fun talking about... Um, the, the most fucked up Bible verses, the most batshit crazy, no one believes this, and if anyone claims that they believe everything in the Bible, they clearly haven't read it, verses, was very funny, and I learned a lot. Um, I want to talk this week with you guys about the opposite. What what inspires you in this Bible? What is either politically or socially or personally relevant to you that, that, that is helpful to you, that you know, is positive. But before we get there, I, I just want to ask if any of you have any thoughts about the chaos in our politics this week and this Christian group, Faithful America, has been urging Catholic bishops to avoid endorsing Donald Trump again. They have a, a petition that's had over 12,000 signatures, and it's urging the bishops to denounce any affiliation with what they're calling the Christo-fascist campaign of Donald Trump. They cited the disturbing praise of Trump from Timothy Dolan, the Archbishop of New York, former Bishop Joseph Strickland of Texas, um, inappropriately endorsing a sermon that erroneously claimed Democrats cannot be Catholic. I think this is great. It's not a case of church leaders or clergy people standing up. It's a petition of Christians saying, God damn it, you Catholics, how are you going to call yourselves followers of Jesus and support comb over Caligula? Keith, am I, I mean, is it, is it, are these things pointless and useless or, or do petitions actually make a difference? I think thousands of people who've actually read the Bible and are real Christians calling out these frauds, I, you know, they, they say the gospel teaches love, equality, and dignity. 
all mm-hmm. values that the MAGA movement clearly rejects. Please listen to the millions of faithful, loving Catholics and allies who want bishops to stay out of this election. No, I, I think this is wonderful, and I, I would love to see more of this kind of thing. I mean, to me, this is the kind of stuff that I would like to see Christians get really excited about and mobilized for. Um, you know, lending their voices, raising their voices, speaking out against injustice. And I think the the presidency and the candidacy of Donald Trump is an injustice. Um, it's doing harm to actual human beings. It's hurting real families, real people. Um, and uh, well, way to go. I mean, I don't know if you have to be a Catholic to sign this petition or not, but I would love to sign that petition. And I would love to see thousands more speak out. Because again, like we say this all the time on this, on the God Squad, that um, what, if you turn on the TV, right, if you listen to media, um, what they will identify as Christian isn't, right? That, this isn't yes. really what who Christians really are. And so when I see this kind of thing, it really warms my heart. And I say, okay, now that is what something, that's what Jesus would do, right? Jesus would stand up and say, um, no, we're not standing with this person. This isn't what it means to be, you know, a, a part of the body of Christ. And uh, I think it's wonderful that they've done that. And I hope more people will follow suit. Pastor Rose, it's such a good point Keith made. You know, growing up, I remember seeing Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson on my TV all the time. They didn't talk about anything I had read in the Bible. They didn't talk about helping the poor. They didn't talk about helping the less fortunate. It was all about being mean to feminists, mean to gay people, mean to foreigners. And it took me a while to realize this is the media's racket. The media needs ratings, and those guys make good villains. So I'm not surprised that people have prejudicial attitudes towards Christians, because the only Christians you see on TV are these revolting segregationist frauds. It's true. It's true. You know, Biden said something. Um, he said something simple but profound sometime this week during one of his speeches. And he said, this guy is not for anything. He's against everything. Yeah. It's the strangest platform a campaign ever. You can't, you don't even know what this guy is for. He's just against everything. And when I think about the MAGA movement and everything, there's nothing concrete that these people are for except this man that they worship and their movement. It. it doesn't have anything to do with the country. It doesn't have anything. When that, that, that statement in the petition that says the gospel is about teaches love, equality, and dignity, you can't find a stitch of that in anything that has anything to do with Donald Trump or the MAGA Republicans. You can't find a stitch of it. Everything is anti-love, it's anti-dignity, it's anti-equality. Every corner you turn, everything that they're trying to do, even with them rejecting the border bill, which would have been the most conservative, the most probably landmark immigration-related bill ever probably in the history of the United States <laughs> since, yeah. you know, in modern history, 21st century, 20, 21st century. And this is something yeah. they asked for and they rejected it because they're not for anything. Mm-hmm. They're not for Correct. anything. If they were for anything, if they had any platform, any standard, any anything, there's no way that that bill wouldn't have went through today. That's I, I, I agree with everything you're saying because I don't think they're for banning abortion. I don't think they're for stopping illegal immigration to the country. What They'll say whatever they have to say to get people upset. To get votes, if they wanted border crossings to stop, they'd start arresting the people who dangle all the jobs and put up a help wanted sign at our border. If they wanted abortions to stop, they would fight for greater access to birth control and sex ed in the schools. They don't want it to stop. They don't have anything to offer, so they need to get people angry. Yeah. Dylan, please. You're exactly right. And Dylan, I, I think this all comes from... 
anti-abortionism. Anti-abortionism oh, yeah. is the thing that out, outpaced Christianity, replaced Christianity, and for millions, erased Christianity. Hmm. Well, I, I think I oh, I'm not Catholic. I've, I've been to mass exactly like three times in my whole life. Um, but <laughs> I, I do. Take That's why you're sober now. That's why you're not drinking at this hour, by the way. But go on. <laughs> but I think I think Catholics uh, need more Daniel and Philip Berrigan and Dorothy Day and far oh, less uh, Strickland. And what was his face? Um, the Archbishop. Dolan. 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 Yeah. yeah. Yep. And Dolan. and. You know, you you were seeing all this crazy nonsense on the border with the what the border convoy or caravan mm-hmm. or whatever, and that that this is not one of my uh, favorite verses, but it, it applies here. By your fruit you will be known, Jesus said in Matthew seven. And what are we seeing? We're seeing an increase in xenophobia. We're seeing neo-Nazi groups and far right vigilantes down on the border. We're seeing Greg Abbott double down on his razor wire and a bunch of other Republican governors. We're seeing the vilification of people who are leaving for a reason, which is the United States made conditions in those countries so fucking bad that people are uprooting their families. And they've done this economically, they've done this militarily, and they've done this with overconsumption leading to climate change, the United States. Boom. So boom. This more Jesus, less MAGA. Yeah. <laughs> it's a simple formula. Uh, yeah. I mean, Keith, we, we were talking about, I'm sorry, December? I said, Pastors? I love that. more. I need, That's a t-shirt. More Jesus, less MAGA. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Keith, we were talking we about what are some of the it. more... <laughs> I love it. But we were talking about what are some of the more positive um, pieces of scripture to balance out all the crazy batshit we had last week. And I'd, I'd like to ask all of you to share a few of yours uh, for the segment mm-hmm. tonight. And Keith, I wonder what, what's a, what's a piece of, uh, of scripture that is the opposite of last week that doesn't embarrass you or isn't ridiculous, but actually either gives you inspiration or, or, or gives you comfort. You know, I always say there's a lot of truth in the Bible, not necessarily a lot of mm-hmm. facts, but there is a lot of truth. And I'm curious yeah. what, uh, what stands out for you? Yeah, well, I, I'm going to say I'm going to start with this one. Um, this is this is one that I think um, is so important, and it's one that gets overlooked quite a bit. Um, it's in Acts chapter 10 and verse 28. Quick backstory: It's it's Peter. He's praying on the roof of a house, you know, and uh, God has to show him this vision three different times um, of these right. unclean animals. And as an observant Jew, he's like, "No, God's the spirit of God says to him, kill and eat these unclean animals." And he's like, "No, no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm an observant Jew. I can't do that." Uh, and eventually he gets it that, oh, okay, what's what's happening here is God's giving him sort of a metaphor. Um, and these unclean animals kind of stand for Gentiles, right? Because um, ah. the Gentiles also want to receive the gospel. Anyway, so it, it takes three tries for Peter to get it, but he finally gets it. And then here's, here's the verse, though, that stands out to me after this whole thing. Um, Peter says this in Acts 10, 28, when he finally, when it finally clicks in his head, he, he says this, God has shown me that I should not call any person unholy or unclean. And I tell you what, um, I feel like today evangelical Christians in America need an Acts 10, 28 moment because they need to understand what God has shown to Peter, that God has shown, would show them 
that we should not call anyone uh, unclean or unholy. That means no one's rejected, no one's excluded, wow. not gay people, not transgender people, not immigrants on the border, not Muslims or atheists or Democrats or anyone, anywhere at any time. Um, and so that that's that's what I'm going to kick it off with. Damn. I mean, that's that's everything. I, I talk yeah. all the time about Leviticus or Matthew 25, where Jesus commands and, and the Old Testament commands you to welcome the stranger. Yeah. But you you just nailed everything there. Yeah, it's a powerful is it, verse. Is again, it true yeah. though? Later, la- la- later on though, it's only revealed to the circumcised guys, right? That's that's something that always stopped me about that story. Only the circumcised ones get to get to see the vision from God. Um, well, I don't know. What do you mean? In what I'll, context? Uh, later that. in the chapter, I believe. <laughs> later in the chapter of Acts, I, I, I like Acts because that's 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 where we found out the apostles were all big old communists, right? That they all oh, yeah. kept all their positions <laughs> together. And he, here it is. It's it's in uh, it's in for, uh, verse uh, verse forty four. While Peter was still speaking the, these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. I don't yeah. not that way, but uh, then the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Once again, if you're circumcised, gentlemen, you just have a head start in life. Really do. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the Gentiles who weren't circumcised actually were filled with the Spirit. So that's what shocked them is like, oh, it's not just for the circumcised. Mm-hmm. You're right. right. Yes, was, you're right. Yeah, they were shocked that, they, that it was that it. It's for everybody. On everybody. Yeah. yeah. It's for everybody. So what you're saying is you're not too good to break bread with a transgender person or a Muslim or an undocumented immigrant or a woman who's had an abortion or a liberal. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because no one's right, unclean yeah. and no one's unholy. I mean, that really that's the, that, the you know, kind of paraphrase it. I mean, this is the huge revelation oh, that great. Peter gets. And man, I tell you what, Christians in America today, they need this revelation really, really bad. And we can we can make fun of Peter because it took him three tries. Man, I tell you what, it's I don't know, it's taken many, many years, many, many decades, uh, and Christians in America still haven't gotten this one. Nice. Three tries. December Rose. Uh-oh. I'm curious, Pastor, what was uh what was grabbing your attention? What verses were inspiring you this week? Um, this is one of my favorite verses. Um, and this is in Philippians 4, 49. And it just says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And um, depending on what translation you're reading, this is the New King James. It says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Words, don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God in the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guide your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And um, I don't want to take up too much time, but it goes on to say, whatever things are true. And this is also another one that the Christians could take note of. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever, this is like the whole anti-MAGA paragraph right here. Mm-hmm. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely whatever things are of good report if there is any virtue and is there is anything praiseworthy meditate on this these things that you learned and received and heard and saw me do these things and the god of peace will be with you and i just love that verse it's just like hey whatever is yeah. good okay whatever is noble whatever is just whatever is pure and we're in such a divisive place right now, such a dark place politically. Sometimes it's hard to see that there are still true, noble, just, pure, and lovely things going on. And so I just love that the scripture says that's what you need to be meditating on. I love Not that. this, you know, 
this fake, this, this Cheeto Jesus. <laughs> there's still good things going on. There's still good people going on. There's praiseworthy things. Yeah. And these are the things your mind needs to be on. Meditate. I, I try things. to remind myself of this like 20 times a day and I fail. But you're, what you're talking about is something that's not fire and brimstone and judgment and hell. This is, this is a gratitude no. meditation. This is like something I pay a hundred bucks for in Southern California, but it's right there in the Bible for free. It's a gratitude. It's right there for free. The yeah. secret is free. <laughs> the secret is out. Yeah, that's it. But but didn't Jesus invent that? I mean, it was Jesus who says, "As ye think, so shall ye be." That's the entire that's fucking right. secret. Nothing that's, that's new. The whole thing. That is. That's all attraction. That's right. <laughs> Dylan, I'm dying for you to jump in on this as well because I'm getting very close to Oprah country right now with the secret. But, but what's uh, what is right. a verse that uh, that inspires you? Well, we we all know um, that the Republicans and the right wing Christians think that social justice is not a Christian prerogative. And I and one of the essays in, in theological musings is a response to Jordan Peterson who 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 made that claim. And That's one right. of the passages I point out. Uh, this this one is often misused to um, vilify homosexuals, and when it was brought up, when when this passage, when we were talking about Sodom and Gomorrah in my Old Testament class in uh, seminary, one of the students said, "Oh yeah, it's about the gay people," and the professor said, "Yeah, that tra- that interpretation is literally less than a hundred years old, and it's right. and and now this." So Ezekiel. 16 uh, oh, yeah. yeah. through 50. Now Ezekiel mm-hmm. is is railing against the established order in Jerusalem uh where Zion the home of God as as the Jews believed. And so he compares uh Jerusalem to Sodom and Samaria, but he says Jerusalem is worse. Then he says this was the set, the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride excess of food, prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. They were haughty and did abominable things before me. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. Now, haughty and prideful and doing abominable things before me sounds a whole lot like American Christian nationalist to me. If I'm reading that theologically. Yeah. And not caring about the poor among them. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, they think that the that the poor are divinely ordained to be poor, which is mm-hmm. not something yeah. Jesus ever said. He actually said the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That's right. That's right. That's right. But again, but they but they'll take when Jesus said the poor will always be with you, right? Which mm-hmm. I take to mean a call to arms. The struggle never ends. You are always right. going to have to be of service to the less fortunate. But no, no, our right wing friends, they like to go into uh, into Hinduism and just say, oh, no, no, no. There's Brahmins and there is untouchables. And this is your dharma. If you're poor, you're meant to be poor. That is your dharma and you must fulfill it. Seemingly like letting ourselves off the hook of any kind of social justice. But I, I love that you chose this one, Dylan, because you nailed it. I mean, this is the one that you throw in the face of these bigots who say that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of gay people. God did not. There are no, there, there's no gay sex in there. There's a bunch of guys trying to gang rape two angels. And if you think gang yeah, rape the is the same as consensual part. relations, yeah. I mean, you're, you're dating the wrong guys if you think those are the same things. That's what I tell the homophobes. It's Ezekiel, <laughs> where it says what the true sin of Sodom was. And essentially, they weren't kind to immigrants traveling through town. I mean, yes. that's it. They And they did not help the poor and needy. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yep, that's right. There it is. Great stuff. Yeah. Um, let me go to the phones before we hit our first break, because Brian in Oregon's on hold, and he wanted to say hi. Brian, welcome. You're on SiriusXM with the God Squad, throwing down some wisdom and truth and pushing away Republican fuckery. What's on your mind? Uh, um, well, what a it, pretty interesting uh, chat. I, I'm, uh, as I've told John before, I'm an agnostic atheist, but it, uh, it's it, interesting chit-chat. I listen every Wednesday when I can. Um my my thought for you guys. A- atheists, atheists can use the Bible against hypocrites and liars as well. So well, go on, please. Yeah, That's right. Learn right. lots for you. I'm dangerous. Uh, a little knowledge is dangerous, especially when I call up Congress people. But um, <laughs> right on. The, um, and, and December Rose had me when she said, "Get my name out your motherfucking life, out of your motherfucking life." <laughs> 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 uh, yes, I said uh, we're all groupies of her. We're all her groupies. That's I'm, it. That's right. I'm, unfortunately, I have a good memory. That was uh, like a month or two ago. But uh, <laughs> that's right. But uh, my my thought is, I uh, when uh, after October seventh in the god awful Hamas massacre in Israel, yeah. He, then the uh, all this back and forth and uh, the Christians for Israel and uh, trying. I I remember. I can't remember what it was, but I heard something about. Bringing on the, uh, you know, the the um, Armageddon type of stuff in the middle. Right, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, to me, I, I, I thought I've told John this before. I, I that uh, I was listening to somebody. I said to myself, all of a sudden, I said, "Wait a second. I think this whole second coming has been completely misinterpreted. I think it's when you die is what he was saying, and that yeah. it, it, you won't know the time or place. And to me, that means when you die." I think it could be either, though. I think it could be either, because that's... These these rapture fiends that are... These rapture fiends don't care about Christianity. They're looking to go behind God's velvet rope right now. They're not concerned with doing good works and helping the less fortunate. They want to guarantee that they have after-party tickets when the rapture comes. And uh, to me, besides the fact that they only pretend to care about Israel, this shows how they're a bunch of double-talking jive, because Jesus says, motherfuckers, you're not going to know when it happens. So do what I say and care for the poor and stop worrying about how you get to win the post-Earth lottery. Well, I think, to me, also logically, um, just as an outsider um, and a a guy who wants the world to go on for a while, it doesn't seem like God (laughs) would want uh, his people to destroy the planet, so uh, thinking uh, Jesus was coming back. It well, let me ask the let me ask the squad. These people are all smarter and more well read oh, than me. I mean, smarter I, than I am. I, I've always I've always just viewed the Book of Revelation as being like Bible fan fiction that's actually in the Bible. It's just some dude tripping his face off on shrooms, writing down his hallucinations, and <laughs> it's really fun for some people to read. But it's got nothing to do with what Jesus came to start a religion right. over, right? Am I missing anything? Yeah, no, you're right. It's um, it's Revelation is uh, the most difficult to understand book in the Bible. It's filled with you know metaphor and 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 uh, analogies, and most of it we don't understand because it's rooted in uh, Jewish you know uh, apocalyptic hyperbole and all this kind of right. stuff. I mean, I, I think Dylan said this once before on a previous show, um, but but Revelation is actually not about our future. It's actually about something that's happened in the past. It's already happened. Um, And and that's part of the problem is that you have these people, again, we've talked about this before. I have a book on this called Jesus Unexpected that talks about the history of Mm -hmm. all this stuff. But a guy named John Nelson Darby in the 1800s 
um, invented this stuff, this whole end times rapture left behind. That's it. That stuff. And that's how recent it is. It's actually like it, it was the, the same year. that. Right? Yeah, 1800, 1850, something like that. Um, so it's yeah. very recent, very new, and very American. Even though the Fed, the guy that came up with it was British, he came to America and it sold in America and stuck. And now we're stuck That's with it. it because this is the way every Christian in America is taught to read these scriptures. But that is not the way. Let's put it this way. For 1,850 years, Christians didn't read Revelation like that. Boom. <laughs> Brian, you want to yeah. respond? Sorry, Brian. Oh, me, me. I'll, you, uh, yes, you're Brian. Oh, God, it was uh, fascinating. And is that the same time frame where the Seventh Day Adventists came out of that rapture, or um, all that stuff where guys were <laughs> jumping off the cliff because they thought the world yeah. was going to end? And uh... Keith, I give that one to you. So real quick, yeah, actually, so the 1850 was the same year Joseph Smith started Mormonism. So that if you want to, oh. just a time frame, it's about the same time frame. Um, but the Seventh Day Adventists came after that, which was funny. Because you didn't have Christians doing that kind of thing, like predicting Jesus is coming back on, you know, in two months at this date, at this time. And then people, it was called, what you're talking about is called the great disappointment in in, uh, in history, where people mm. literally did. They sold their property, they sold their houses, they, they went up and waited on the mountain, and then it didn't happen. And that was the great disappointment. And that's the first time that kind of thing happened, because... It, um, before that, Christians didn't have this John Nelson Darby, you know, end times rapture right. theory to play with. And so before that, Christians weren't setting dates and selling their property and doing all this stuff. But since that time, guess what? That happens like every six months. Some some guy goes yeah. on and says, I figured it out. I cracked the code. Jesus is coming back. And, you know, here's all what they all have in common is they've all been wrong. <laughs> and they've all made a lot of money. And they made a lot of They sold a lot of books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I still have a copy right of on, uh, right here. I still have a copy of 88 reasons why Jesus will return in 1988. Uh, mm. Oof. 88 reasons. Well, it works well for the money grubbers. Yes. Right on. Exactly right. And Jesus chased the money grubbers out of the temple. We have to take a break. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much. Uh, Pastor Rose, Dylan, Keith, please stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment and with more of your calls at 866-997-4748. Coming up tomorrow night on the show, the great Max Burns fills in as your guest host while I am traveling. And then for the next two weeks, we will be broadcasting this show every night live from Los Angeles. So do join us. We'll see who we can drag into the L.A. studio. Dr. Tracy Pearson joins us in hour number three. I'm John Fugel saying we are back with the God Squad. I spend all week waiting for Dylan Cruz, Pastor December Rose and Keith Giles to talk me off my ecclesiastical ledge. And we're taking your calls as well. Courtney in San Diego on line two. Thank you so much for waiting on hold. You're on progress with uh, Dylan, December and Keith. Hello. It's an honor and a privilege, I must tell you. Um, I've talked to you once before, John. I was like at the very end of a show, just like thanking you for your positivity. But one of oh, the Lord. things that I love about listening to your show is that you are so outwardly Christian in the best possible way. I'm Jewish. I'm gay. Mm -hmm. I'm a millennial. A right woman, et cetera. My et cetera. type, my type, my type. Go on. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I just got in the car on the way home from work and I'm listening to you all just blast these in the best possible way these verses that back up what you're saying and it's always such a 
such a like oh it's a relief yeah i've always and by the way by the way none of us have asked you for money none of us have asked you for money once this entire radio show we we're here to call out bullshit and talk about what's actually in this freaking book and none of us are asking you for money so just keep that in mind that's how you know we're not one of those shows yeah (laughs) admittedly i am a little bit cheap it is a bit of a stereotype however um i do um very very much appreciate um you know the the the, the conversation, um, especially what was just said about, I didn't understand that the Seventh Day Adventists came after Joseph Smith. That's mm. interesting um, because the whole, you know, what I always end up telling people when they go, "Oh, you're Jewish," like, "What's up with that?" And I'm like, "It's essentially the same religion, except the Messiah hasn't come yet." And that's it to a lot of people. Jesus is the Messiah, and I, and me personally, I've always said, "Yeah, Jesus seems like a pretty cool guy." Um, he's got a yeah. lot of nice things to say. Um, radical reformed, like, radical reformed Jew. Never stopped, yep. n- never yes. stopped being Jewish. Never said yep. I quit and start a new religion now. Just stayed never. Jewish. Radical, revolutionary reformed Jew who exactly. replaced the Ten Commandments with two. He pissed off the conservatives and conservative religious <laughs> with authoritarian governments is what got Jesus killed. And that's exactly why I wish that yeah. even if like five conservatives would tune into your show when you call when the God Squad is here, that it would be life changing. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> they would run away. They would run. It would not change their <laughs> life. They would run away from it and listen to someone would that would the support their Dylan. I, do you disagree? Go ahead. Jump in, Dylan. I grew up Southern Baptist and Church of Christ, two of the whitest, most fundamentalist organizations in the United States of America. And the words in red radicalized me. Mm-hmm. I That's walked it. away from the Southern Baptist Church in 2003 because of the war. And so I, d- I know not everybody is going to share that story with me, that, that new information and new theological insights are going to radi- make them radically change. But really it true. is possible. It mm-hmm. is possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's hope. If, yeah, for me, when I got a, when I got away from being a good Catholic kid, was when I started really getting intensely interested in finding out what this character of Jesus was all about and what his actual mission was. Imagine my surprise to find out he never condemned birth control or masturbation or gay people or abortion. Everything that I was fed was the hang-ups of men in dresses and had nothing to do with the guy the religion was based on. Well, as my New Testament professor said that about uh, liberal Bible scholars. He says, the way you get liberal Bible scholars is you read the Bible. Yes. And his, and his name is Dr. Greg Carey. So yep. shout nice. out to That's Greg. Right. That's right. Right on. Hey, thank you so much for the call, Courtney. You're awesome. I really appreciate it. You know, I, I talk to a lot of theologians all the time, and there's a lot of really great academics who are really smart and moral people, and they're not good talkers. But these three people are all so gifted and entertaining, and I could do this every night with these three. They're just brilliant, and I, I surround myself with much better people than me. So that that's that's my whole <laughs> approach to life. Thank you so much for thank the call. You all. Thanks I, for having me. Thank you. Don't be a stranger. Call at any time. Hey, I want to go back to asking you guys about some of the, the, the actual Bible verses, though, as progressives that, that support and sustain you either personally or, or politically, because last week we talked about all just the batshit stuff. Dylan, I'm wondering what's another one of, uh, of yours that you uh, are fond of. Right. So this one, this this story is found in both Luke and Matthew, but I'm going to highlight the Lucan version uh, instead of the Matthew version. Uh, So Luke 7, 1 through 10, 
This is where Jesus heals the centurion's slave. And the reason that I highlight this is because it's a, it, it really shows the radical nature of what Jesus was all about. So here you have a centurion who might've been working for Herod Antipas, or he might've been uh, a member of the Roman police force or the customs uh, service. He's a, so, he's a general in the occupying invading army. Exactly. So he's not going to be somebody that Jesus is going to think super cool. Right. <laughs> but the, uh, so he, he, he heals the centurion servant despite our slave, despite him being part of the authoritarian regime that's there. And here's another thing that's interesting about this as a possibility. Romans in the, in the Greco Roman world, slaves were often used as sexual slaves. This is what now, the Romans that, did. The, 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 the text does not say this. But this is how knowing context about the social and historical milieu of the time can feed interpretation. So if this slave who the Roman centurion greatly valued was sick and Jesus healed him anyway because of the centurion's faith, you notice he did not berate the centurion. He did not say, yo, dude, why you got a slave? He just healed him. And if that guy was having sex with his slave, Jesus knew about it. If you believe that Jesus is all knowing. Right. So that's it. But but it's really radical. It's so radical because, you know, when I first read uh, Bishop John Shelby Spong, he taught me Mm -hmm. that in the original Greek, they didn't use the word slave. The word they used was pais, P-A-I-S, beloved boy. Yes. And we know these Romans left their wives at home and brought their boys with them on the road. I mean, there's Derek Jacobi's character in Gladiator, for God's sake. So so we know this is what they did. And why would a occupying general of an invading army seek out a local homeless Jewish mystic faith healer to come into his house to heal a common slave? Unless it was someone who meant a lot more to him. Dylan, I, I, I love that you chose this story. It blows my mind. Yeah. Pretty radical. Um, and yet, Dylan, I find that homophobes don't know this story and it doesn't get talked about that much in pushing back against bigots. Right. Well, they, they don't know about it, but but it's also radical because of the way Jesus just set aside all political and ideological differences. Now, he was ardently against the Roman occupation. But his love and compassion for a human being that was sick. And dying. Yeah. It had no boundaries. He saw a human being. Yeah. He saw a human being. He saw a human being suffering and he's like, well, your faith has made you holy. He didn't, he didn't say you helped build the synagogue, which is what the Jewish elite said. Hey, come help this guy. He helped us build the synagogue. Mm -hmm. That's not what Jesus said. He was like, your faith. You asked. Boom. That's it. You asked. It's done. And that's, I can't do that. I get pissed at people like that. Yeah, I, I was just saying there was no 12 step program yes. for that. You know, the, the way that the church <laughs> operates in general, you had they make you go through all these steps before you get to, you know, mm-hmm. the scripture we read is for God to love the world that he gives them. Less than that. I mean, that whosoever yeah. believes in him might not perish. But they put they put a 12 step program in there. You got to come up there. You got to do this. You got to conform. You got to, mm-hmm. you know, you got to stop seeing. You got to you shacking up with your girlfriend or your man or whatever the case is. Y'all got to get married. 
if you're pregnant, you need to come up and confess that. You know, there's so much bullshit in between the believer and God. That's you know it. what I'm saying? Or between the That's believer it. and the Bible, whatever the case. And there was none of that. He was like, okay. That's he why didn't I ask him, when's the last time you've been to church? Did you pay your tithes? Uh, right. You got at the house. This this love beloved boy that you got at the house. What y'all doing? You know, he did That's not even interrogate this man. Yeah. Mm-mm. Nope. Whoever was hated was who the character of Jesus stands up for, whether you were lepers or prostitutes or a despised foreign minority like the Samaritans or even an occupying general in the invading army. Whoever was hated, that's who he stood up for. Always the marginalized peoples. Pastor Rose, please, the floor is yours. What's a, a verse that has it kept you sane that that inspires you? Um, I'm going to be as quick as I can. We're short on time. This is Matthew. They call these the Beatitudes. Matthew 5. Yes. The short, it says, blessed or blessed, however you want to pronounce it, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Rather, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall Tain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly right glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, the funny thing is, I'm pretty sure there's a white nationalist, white Christian nationalist somewhere that's taking these verse 10 and 11 and 12 and flipping it and making it about Trump. Persecuted because of <laughs> righteousness. Exactly yes. right. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake. I'm pretty sure that somebody is flipping that verse, but I do not believe <laughs> that the writer had Trump in mind when he wrote this. Yep. And you notice they yeah. never want to they never want to post the Sermon on the Mount in a school wall or on a courthouse wall. No. Only the Ten Commandments, but never Jesus's actual words. Never, brilliant. never. And I just have he, I know we're short on time, but I have just one quote I'm going to give before please. we run out of time. It's by Hugh Hollowell, and it says, every time we use religion to draw a line to keep people out, Jesus is with the people on the other side of that line. That's the one. That's That's the one. That's a quote that a lot of LGBT people have drawn a lot of faith from. Keith, in our final moments, give us something to inspire us on on the way home. Okay, I'll try and make it quick. So everyone quotes John 3.16 all the time, but I want to quote 1 John 4.16. This is a verse I never heard ever growing up in my life. Um, And here's the verse. It says this, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And so, uh, again, nothing pisses off Christians more than just, again, you could just do an experiment. Post on social media, God is love. Just just post that. God is love. Mm-hmm. Wait 10 minutes and come back. And Christians will be like, yeah, but God is also a God of wrath. And you're forgiving, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, they, they get yeah. so worked up. But, but again, there's That's no right. verse that says God is wrath. But right here, it says God is love. And this radical idea that not only is God love, that all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So you know, we don't have to ask if... If, uh, you know, there's nothing, there's no conditions there, right? It's like, we're loved because God is love. And I just think that's beautiful. It's one of my dad's favorite verses. And one of the last things my dad ever said to me was uh, this saying that I've never forgotten. Uh, He said, there's two things God can't do. He can't stop loving you and he can't stop forgiving you. And that is Mm -hmm. my religious belief system, that quote right there. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. But you're, you're. You're so right, though, because, you know, we're raised with this alcoholic step God fucking around with Abraham, making him try to kill his son. And then Jesus comes around and changes the entire thing and says, sorry, bitches, new covenant. 
God is love. <laughs> and you will, and, and that's the that's a, that's the Jewish experience. You will experience God when you love. You will feel God's presence when you love actively. Yes, it's a great note to end this show on. And I, I thank you so much, Keith. How can our listeners follow you, Mr. Giles? Um, my blog is on keithgiles.com. My books are on Amazon, and you can check out my podcast, Heretic Happy Hour, and Second Cup with Keith anywhere you listen to podcasts. Pastor Rose, how do we follow you? I'm December Rose on everywhere, and that is D-E-S-I-M-B-E-R. And I want to say perfect love casts out all fear. So fuck all the fear you... in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> I love that we're just like doing a revival meeting with curse words. This is my favorite yes, hour yeah. of the week. Dylan, how do we follow you? I'm I'm on social media, Dylan Neighbor Cruz, and I have a blog, TattooedTheologian.com, and my books are all on Amazon. Everybody follow these people and subscribe to their podcasts and read their blogs. Thank you all so much. I look forward to this every week. You three inspire me, and God knows I need it. Thanks a million, guys. Have a great week. 